Welcome to the global phenomenon, Surviving the Survivor, where we bring you the best guests in all of true crime. What's up, STS Nation, and welcome to this Monday edition of Surviving the Survivor, the podcast that promises to bring you the very best guests in all of true crime, and you're in for a special uh, panel tonight, an extraordinary panel. But first, uh, the story that is bringing us all here today, uh, two familiar faces, one new one I'm going to introduce in a moment. Uh, this has to do with the girlfriend, the girlfriend of a former Texas judge. That judge died from a fentanyl overdose, and the girlfriend has now been charged with murder for allegedly giving him the deadly drugs. Her name is Cami Ludwig. She was arrested last Monday. She was charged previously for a, on a drug charge, but last Monday uh, charged with murder. And she, again, is accused of buying fentanyl lace, Xanax pills, cocaine, and other illegal narcotics that led to the November death of former associate Tarrant County Judge William Shane Nolan, N-O-L-E-N, and... Uh, he is also, uh, he was an attorney uh, till his untimely passing. Uh, happy, very happy. Love when we've got new faces as best guests. And here is uh, Manny. I hope I'm pronounced. I'm a gringo, Manny. Manny Matos. Am I close? Yes, you got it. You got it right. Awesome. So Manny Matos, he served as the undercover coordinator for the NYPD Organized Control Bureau with distinction. Uh, com commencing his impactful journey back in 86, gracefully retiring in August of 2020, Manny played a pivotal role in fortifying the city's safety, toughest city in the world to keep under control, New York City. I'm a Jersey guy. You guys know that New York City basically uh, is what I call home or used to call home. Now it is Miami. Uh, Manny is currently being featured in A&E's Undercover Caught on Tape. The next episode is this Thursday at 10 p.m., uh, but he basically uh, oversaw 500 undercover officers and realized it was important to take drugs off the street today for a better tomorrow. Uh, next up, we've got Tommy Scoville. Every every time he's looking niftier and niftier. Your glasses are looking sleek, Tommy. The background is uh, a little more beautiful today. Tommy Scoville. He was raised in an upper middle class family. He skied professionally. He retired. He became a public speaker and a businessman, and he got rich. And then the doctor said to him, no more pain meds. Uh, so he got addicted to street drugs, eventually fell into crime, and eventually was convicted for bank robbery. Tommy is a ladies' man. He married his defense attorney. Who does that? Uh, but he has now gotten his... Uh, act straightened out he hosts a youtube channel called lifeboat uh the lifeboat is it the or just lifeboat it is it is the lifeboat the lifeboat there you go and there are a lot of people from the lifeboat in this chat so uh welcome to them all and uh it is great to see tommy uh you know turning things around and using his experiences for positive and for good uh last but not least bottom right hand corner He's been living in South Carolina for 130 years, but still has a wicked thick Boston accent. Uh, Steve <laughs> Peterson was a senior special agent of the United States Department of Justice, part of the Drug Enforcement Administration, otherwise known as the DEA. He was the longest serving street agent in, DA, in DEA uh, 
in the DEA when he uh, when he retired. Uh, and he also, uh, if you watch Surviving My Biggest Case, he worked the true life, the real life uh, version of uh, Breaking Bad, Walter White. He caught the real Walter White. And of course, he has been involved in a lot of the Murdoch trial stuff. So uh, welcome to one and all. Very quickly, you can support us, people ask, on Patreon. You can become a YouTube member. The merch store is open. And believe it or not, my book is out there for pre-sale. So uh, if you're interested in a compelling story, there it is. The book is available. And believe it or not, it's selling pretty well so far. Awesome. Uh, yeah, so uh, I'm excited about it. So um, I would just like to get, um, Manny, let's start with you. Uh, before we even get into the specifics of the story, uh, you retired in 2020. Um, from that time period to now, how much worse has the fentanyl epidemic, they use that word, how much worse do you, has it gotten in your period just in over these I mean, few I years? Mean, just think about it. I mean, back when I was an undercover, back in 1989, Fentanyl wasn't an issue. I mean, the biggest drug was crack. You know, you had your crack cocaine out there and you had heroin. Now you got heroin that's laced with fentanyl. And when you when, once you start getting fentanyl involved into the game, this remember this, fentanyl is a synthetic drug that was made for painkilling. Right. So now no one knows exactly how much of this stuff can kill you. So now once you, I mean, and, and now you see it more and more. Fentanyl, I mean, we used to, at one point when I was an undercover buying drugs, we used to field test our drugs, right, to test the heroin, to see the points. Now you couldn't even mess with it because fentanyl gets airborne. And once that gets into your system, it can kill you. So we had to actually stop. So this is getting out of hand. Manny, I got to ask you, do you know Captain Tommy Russo? He was an undercover, uh, lived on Staten Island, uh, back in the day, he retired years ago. Uh, he left early. You know what? That name? Tommy's name sounds Sorry familiar. You know what? In, in my time, like I said, I was I've been in the job almost thirty four years, and I was an organized crime. I was an undercover back in nineteen eighty nine. So I'm sure our path has definitely crossed. I just can't picture him right now, but there's so many of us out there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, by the way, the bottom here is is. is uh, one of the biggest rivalries in sports. You got uh, the Yankees bottom left, that crazy New York accent, and bottom right, the Red Sox with the crazier Boston accent. But I feel at home with the New York accent, not so much with the uh, the Boston accent, Steve. Apologies to you. But, Steve, same thing. I mean, you. when did you retire? What year do you retire, Steve? I don't know if Fennel was on the street. Yeah, huh? I retired almost 14 years ago. It was 2010 when I left. Yeah, and so was fentanyl, that wasn't even a thing back then. What, what, what were you contending with at the time? Well, you know, the drugs, they all have their cycles. They, they go through popularity and phase in and out. Back in the early 80s when I was working down in Atlanta, it was methamphetamine and coke. And then crack came on the scene in the late 80s, early 90s. Uh, and then uh, after that, you know, uh, prescription pain pills were a big problem, but no one no one cared because it was like kitty dope. It was prescription pills. And then when the doctors started to get cracked down on, when DEA started to rein in the doctors and getting prescription pills wasn't as easy as it had been, all those people had built up a dependency on pain meds, legitimate pain meds, all turned down to heroin. Because, you know, you go from one opiate to another. It's a natural progression. And, um, of course, the Mexican cartels, which started controlling things almost exclusively in the 90s and into today, you know, they've they've really augmented their 
income because all across America, we're seeing states legalize marijuana. So that revenue stream is diminishing. So they're replacing that revenue stream with heroin. And then, of course, heroin, which is dependent upon natural ingredients, the opium poppy, fentanyl is totally synthetic. So it just takes some chemicals. So prior to, I would say, about five, 10 years ago, they were getting most of the fentanyl in a finished product from China. And then people started cracking down on the fentanyl imports or exports from China. So China just started exporting the, the raw materials, the chemicals. So now you have the chemists in Mexico manufacturing the fentanyl, and you are finding fentanyl in ninety over ninety percent of all illicit drugs on the street today. That is absolutely crazy, and it is an epidemic, and it's killing a lot of people, including a lot of young people. Um, and I have another story besides the main one, just a random, mm-hmm. just you could pick them out of a hat. There's so many, uh, this mm-hmm. one revolving around a 17 year old who lost his life, but a uh, shout out to nine hell Mac. Today is my birthday y'all. And look at this Catherine Rogier wishing her a happy birthday. Oh, sorry. I can't say the last name. Oops. Catherine, Catherine, Catherine in Maui. Um, Catherine, I just opened up a, she sent me something. It is the most amazing drawing I have ever seen of Frederick Morris Roosevelt Brown, our new puppy, named Morris Roosevelt, the middle names for my beloved Mabel Rose. And uh, I, I cannot, hopefully the CEO, we can get a photo of the drawing and we could put it out there. Catherine, incredible. Um, absolutely love it. And uh, I'm going to send you a note. Wesley John Holmes, an Aussie living in Tokyo. I love saying that. So I say it every show. You're not going to find a better panel than this. I'll tell you that. Uh, hi, Tommy. You're becoming a regular with SDS. We get our best guests and we keep them. We incentivize them, and um, I don't know what his incentive is for this. And uh, look at this, Philadelphia shoulder surgeon. She's already in love with Manny's incredible accent. That is uh, the New York accent. Look here, go Sox. So we've got, and look at this, go Yankees. Everyone is here. So, um, Tommy, before we get into the the weeds on this story, which is a very interesting story, um, you sort of see things from a different perspective. Number one, you got addicted to drugs, but with the lifeboat, your channel, you're helping people through sobriety. So you are hearing from people addicted to Xanax, addicted uh, to heroin, addicted to cocaine. Um, Do they voice their, their fears to you, their concerns to you that they could die because of an, a a bad batch with fentanyl? Is this a, is this a big worry now? It it is uh, with people who are, who are aware and people who are really trying to quit. There's a, a horror story from the East coast to somebody that I was working with for a really long time who was trying to get in with a pain specialist and going through. And he knew that was what uh, he was buying on the street could kill him and it did. And he was a very well-known guy on the, uh, on the channel. And it was, you know, this has happened about 13 times. The, uh, the former DEA uh, officer just literally nailed every single point you could possibly make. I mean, there, there's nothing you can add to that. The only thing that I would add is just that I don't, what, what paralyzes me as a drug addict, because I was addicted to heroin for a really long time. When someone overdosed on heroin, we could bring them back. Like, mm-hmm. honestly, if you just had the time, you were willing to stay there, even if you didn't have chemicals, right? You didn't have Narcan, you could keep that person alive. It was always something if you just were willing to stay there. With the stuff that they've got now, you can be there with 12 doses of Narcan and it doesn't get anything done. And oddly, it seems to continually get getting stronger and stronger, not weaker and weaker. As a drug addict, it had always been my experience that when the dealer begins to kill the customer, 
they back off on the strength of the product. But that doesn't seem to be happening. It seems to be getting stronger and stronger. And now they're mixing in this xylazine garbage, right? So mm -hmm. turning it into trank. And now you've got the, the combination of those two respiratory depressants is just a, a recipe for death. But just as importantly, the addiction that these people are building up to the xylazine is more like benzodiazepine, which you quit cold turkey, it will kill you. So mm -hmm. it's just, we're not even seeing the tip of the iceberg of how ugly this is going to get. Because when people start to go quitting on this, it's going to get bad. Yeah, Tommy, you know, so uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Steve. Steve, go ahead. The xylazine is, is not an opium. So the no. Narcan has no effect on it at all. No. It magnifies the, the strength and the duration of the high of the fentanyl. So you get a lot of first responders who show up and they, they, they witness the, the, the overdose victim. They assume it's, it's fentanyl-related. They apply Narcan and it, and it does nothing because the xylazine negates it. So, it, I mean, it's, this is really a, a hell of a cocktail, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and it sounds really frightening because on the xylazine, uh, as Tommy was just saying, you can die just coming off of it. So, uh, you know, if you're on it and it's not even, you know, going to kill you in the form that it's in, it can kill you just by, um, you know, weaning yourself off it if you don't do it properly. Uh, by the way, Henchy Held, I love the Big Apple. She comes to us from Jerusalem, and I now know she's a she. I, was, I don't know why. I just assumed Henchy was a guy's name and the other night the coe got into an argument about this i think on air and uh she emailed us and said she is in fact a she so uh there you go um someone else is saying these are elephant literally elephant literally elephant literally so uh that is uh frightening uh indeed so this is the victim in this case out of grapevine texas believe it or not this guy was a judge and an and an attorney in tarrant county you see him in the Judge's uh, robe. Back on November 20th, 2023, Grapevine, Texas police, they responded to a death investigation at a home. Uh, they show up there and this woman, Cami Ludwig, this person's girlfriend that you're looking at on the screen, says she woke up to uh, him lying in bed unresponsive. His name again is William Nolan, William Nolan. So she wakes up to William, unresponsive, and the even bigger tragedy here is that his nine-year-old son was also at home at the time. When officers entered, they found the 47-year-old judge dead in his bedroom from a drug overdose. Uh, many mottos to you. I know you're doing primarily undercover work, but uh, the Grapevine police responded here. Um, by the way, Nikki Cuds is a friend of the show. Uh, my son. My friend's son just died of an accidental fentanyl overdose. It's happening all over the country. Uh, this is a story that should be reported on much more so uh, than it is. But I think people are, are afraid, and we can discuss that. I mean, afraid to talk about it because it is so scary. But um, back to you, Manny. Um, I don't know how, you know, you're doing a lot of undercover work, but if you're responding to a home like these grapevine Texas police were doing um, and you see this guy dead of an overdose, what are your next steps from a law enforcement standpoint? And by the way, Nikki Cuds, we were debating Cuds or Cuds, but we found out Cuds, Cuds for the win, rhymes with Cubs. What about Manny? What are you doing at this, uh, well, I think at, at this home? You know, one of the things that, that, that 
right away you get there first, right? So you don't know. This is just a typical overdose of its fentanyl. And again, just like everybody was saying, I mean, think about it. Heroin, fentanyl is 50 times stronger than, than, than heroin. It's, it's 100 times stronger than, than methadone, you know, some, from, from morphine. So, I mean, I guess you, you're looking for it. You're trying to find out where is this in the house? How much more exposure? I mean, if I'm not mistaken, they found more pills in her pocketbook. These yes. pills, I mean, anybody accidentally, Gordy. the way the colors are now, now you got some of this, this stuff that's out there in different colors, like in rainbow colors. Some of this stuff is attractive to kids. So you're thinking you're taking candy. So this is what you're looking for when you you know, respond to a scene like this. Yeah, uh, crazy. Um, to you, uh, Steve Peterson, this is your world, the DEA, the, the agency you retired from. Uh, Frankie Figs, one of our amazing mods, says the DEA is partially responsible for these deaths as they shut down the pill mills without putting help in place. Do you agree? Is this uh, an accurate or an inaccurate statement? Well, you know what? It all depends on your perspective. But from my perspective, no. DEA is not responsible because they enforce the laws. And it's it, if you even just take the acronym Drug Enforcement Administration, it's not Drug uh, Society Help Administration. <laughs> if if you're if you are being fed pills by your doctor, that's between you and your doctor. If your doctor is doing nothing but feeding your habit, dealing with your your um, your your pains, but not finding the underlying cause. And your doctor's contributing to your addiction, right? Because as long as you're in pain, if you're seriously in pain, you cannot become addicted to pain medication. What happens is as the pain starts to wear off, as whatever your injury is, as that starts to heal and you don't wean yourself off the opioids, that's when you develop the dependence, right? So the problem is we always treat the symptoms and we never treat the cause. And then when people were, where doctors were just selling scripts for money, they were no more than educated drug dealers. When DEA finally did clamp down on that, um, it forced people who already had these dependencies to find alternative sources. So they, they went with the next best thing they could find for an opioid, which at the time was heroin. So people transitioned to heroin. And then sadly, they used either they smoked it, they injected it, they snorted it, thinking that perhaps if they use one of these alternative methods of ingestion, it, they wouldn't become addicted. But, but as Tommy, I'm sure, could tell you, that's not the case. So they, they, they maintain their addiction. They, they continue their dependence on the drug. And then as the drug, as, it, it's like any other drug. If, if you become addicted to it, you develop a tolerance to it. You're always looking to get something stronger and stronger and stronger. And if suddenly there's a dealer who's selling heroin or any drug for that matter, and people are dying because it's too strong, serious addicts will flock to that area of town to get the more powerful opioid. They don't, because they think, I can take it. The other people died because they don't have the tolerance I do. I can take this. I need the, the more potent drugs. So... They started mixing fentanyl in with it. And then you have car fentanyl. Now you got the xylazine. You have all these things added in that enhance the high that make it last longer and make it more potent. And these drug dealers could care less. 
But you have to also differentiate between the addicts, right? The addicts who are seeking heroin, who are seeking the opioids, and the accidental overdoses because people are taking what they believe to be some other drug. They believe they're taking Adderall. They believe they're taking Percocets. They believe they're buying prescription pills that are on the black market. And I'm telling you, probably 90%, if not higher, of the prescription drugs on the black market are, are not at all what they prescribe to be. They're all fentanyl. They're all fentanyl. Steve, did you say what kind of other fentanyl? Did you say car fentanyl? Yeah, car fentanyl. Car fentanyl much more... It's a much more potent version of fentanyl. Uh, never heard of it in my life till just now, but now I know. You learned something on Surviving the Survivor. This is not a show for dummies. This is a show where you learn stuff on here. Um, not bad for a Sox fan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not bad. Uh, Tommy Scoville. Uh, look at this. Uh, oh, I hope I didn't lose you. Yeah, Joel, you just uh, you've just blacked out. Why did I get yeah. muted? I have no idea. Okay, Charlie, uh, I think it's William Shane Nolan, but this is a judge, a lawyer, and his girlfriend Cammy, who's now been charged in his murder. I, I'm leaving this up here, obviously, because these are this is a suspect. You see her in uh, the prison jumpsuit on the right, and the victim. When you look at the photo on the left, um, they literally look like the all-American couple, beautiful couple. Mm-hmm. You know, barely, I wouldn't even say middle-aged, young, help, healthy, happy. Um, if I saw you in the street, Tommy Scoville, I'd say this guy's uh, an attorney or something. I mean, I would never suspect that you did the things that you did. Um, I guess you can't judge a book by its cover. Um, does everyone – is this is this a uh, an epidemic that crosses all – Socioeconomic spectrums, race, creed, color, all of that stuff. Absolutely. It's it's absolutely remarkable. Uh, you're muted it's, now, Tommy. I'm muted. Oh, no, he's got here. I, I hear you're Tommy. Good. Muted. Oh. I hear Tommy but it's- all right. You guys can hear me? Uh, Tommy's okay. still muted. COE, do we know why? Okay. Every, I think everybody but Joel can hear me. Uh, Steve, you're not hearing him, are you? Yes, I am. I got him too. Oh, everybody. why am I not hearing anyone? What's going I'll on? I'll tell you here? what. Well, well, he's figuring that out. The, uh, the, the thing about this drug, and, and uh, unlike others, and, uh, and Steve made a, a point about this. When, you, when you're addicted to heroin, you start with a poppy, right? The, the sap that comes out of that is going to reach a certain level. And no matter what you do to it, it's never going to get higher than that level, right? So you're limited by the potency of the, of the crop. And when they began to do this stuff synthetically, and it's not an opiate, it's an opioid, there's no limit whatsoever. So fentanyl, you can keep multiplying it by two for really as many times as you want, which is what how car fentanyl came into existence, mm-hmm. which is really the stuff that's made for pachyderms. Like car fentanyl was made for elephants. Right. And my understanding is that it's, it's almost impossible to cut that in any way, shape, or form to make it safe because the, it is such a small amount that can kill you that no matter what you try to do to mix that into a larger bag, you get hot spots. But virtually every day, like the 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 um, the woman that uh, that you know just said that that she lost him. And I'm sorry for your loss. I think it was uh, Nikki Nikki Cuds. And I'm you know I'm sorry for your friend's loss. But this is every single day. Depending on what stats you believe, about 300 people a day, right? Are, uh, are overdosing and dying on this. No matter who you believe, it's the number one cause of death in America between the ages 18 and 50. 
like plain and simple it is. And it's the reason that life expectancies are tanking in this country. And boy, oh boy, we could probably argue for the end of time politically, but no matter how you shake it, there's so much of this crap on the street, it's incredible. And the pills that this uh, woman was snorting with her boyfriend to get high, the murder thing is really a stretch. Maybe it's because I'm a drug addict. But if she's snorting the same powder, she's a screw up, right? But she certainly wasn't trying to kill this guy, right? She was trying to, to get high and the, both of them laid down and he died. It's a tragedy. And I'm not saying she should get a, a pat on the fanny and, a, and a, you know, do better next time. It's obviously something that needs to be punished, but murder just sounds really hard to me. And I think we do that knee jerk thing a lot. It's like somebody was saying about the DEA, you know, is it a DEA's fault? The DEA enforces the law, but the government does this knee-jerk stuff. So when the pill mills were crazy and there were guys writing a thousand scripts in a day, they shut all that down and all the people went to the street, right? I was one of them. And it's on me. It's not on them. It's on me. But I went to the street and I I bought what I thought was opium. Right? Nobody said, hey, try this heroin. I promise you I wouldn't have done it. But if you smoke this opium, right, which I smoked on tin foil, and boy, it took the pain away and it took it away for $10. The, the mm -hmm. price difference, I thought, I'm set. set for think about it. We, take, the world. we take for granted, right? Prince was buying an oxy pill. No one realized yeah. that somebody went out to buy him a pill. It was that same pill that was laced with fentanyl that took his life. And, and we forget that it was just that. It was fentanyl that killed him. It wasn't that he, he took an oxy pill and it just happened to, he had a bad reaction. This was poison that he had taken without even knowing that he was taking no. his drug and we forget all about this, but that's what. And, and that's the tragedy of these things. Like if somebody like me gets, gets that pill, I've been sober now a long time, but if, if I, in my day, I would have taken that pill. I would have crushed it up on the table. I would have put it in the small piles. I would have test fired a little something, but that's not how these people are dying. There's a horrific story. We did a show on my channel on, and it was a, a young girl who just had out a wisdom tooth who said to somebody in the car, you got to turn around and go home. I need to get a pain pill. Like, this is killing me. You know, girl, never done drugs, nothing. And the guy said, what did they write your prescription for? She said, Percocet. He said, I got one of those. And that was it. Unreal. You know, by the time they got this girl to a hospital, she was dead. This isn't a drug addict. This isn't somebody partying, you know. And sadly, it, you don't have to be a party or a drug addict anymore. This is killing people who are trying the first try. And that's that's horrific. Um, is anyone here? Yeah, right we now? got you. I got you. Uh, this is amazing. You know what's incredible about surviving the survivor? I don't even have to be here. Um, you guys just host the show. It's amazing. Um, look at Brianna. Joel has a show on autopilot. I have no idea what's going on, by the way. Look at this. See, Joel's think, freaking out somewhere. I think first nervous breakdown of the week is uh being is is playing out right away. You're doing um, great. That's the first of the week. First of the week, and it's Monday. I, I guess so. Um no idea what just happened. Called uh, now the COE is calling me. Uh, she has no idea. Um, basically, we operate a mini CNN with uh, two people and Fisher Price equipment, so it's a miracle that we get on the air every day. But uh, if I lose you again, I'll just have Tommy Scoville run the show. Um, so, Tommy, to you now. This whole th this case with Cammy Ludwig and William Shane Nolan made you, by the way, you're the one that flagged me on this. And it's making big headlines because this incorporates a new law. I believe I, you'll know better than me. I think it's a Texas law. I don't know that it's federal. It's a Texas law. Um, and it based. Yeah, Texas. You know, you don't mess with Texas. Basically, it allows police to charge drug dealers with murder 
if a user dies of an overdose. Um, and that law is being applied to Cami Ludwig. Um, mm -hmm. Is it, does this make sense? Um, is is Texas out of bounds or should mo more states be doing this? Uh, a bunch of states are doing this. There's a, a this is um, like I was, you know, it's kind of a knee jerk reaction that happens a lot with drugs. We get really scared about how bad this stuff is like we did with crack. Right. And then the laws were that were drawn up for crack were nine times worse than they were for powder. Right. And got real draconian and didn't make a lot of sense. We're seeing this Cami Ludwig case because, like you said earlier, this is a 35 year old blonde woman who's really attractive. And she has a very handsome uh, boyfriend who happens to be a, uh, you know, an accomplished individual. He's a, a lawyer and a judge. But this is not even the first person in Texas. There's dozens of people that are already been charged for this. But this one just makes for such a great postcard, right? And it's going to get a lot of people talking about it because if you're trying to get high with somebody and that person dies, she's not a drug dealer. The drug dealers are in her phone. They were under the name T and Blue, I believe. Like they know where the drug dealers live, all that. This was a person right. trying to get high. I think, in my humble opinion, it's, it's a knee-jerk reaction that's going to lock up people who already are victims, okay? Honestly, I mean, dr drug addicts, I promise you don't get up in the morning and go, woohoo! You know, there's never a day that you're a junkie that you think this is great. I think also, you know, not what, may, what may change, especially here in New York, what we're seeing now more and more, because at one point, people were so scared of being prosecuted, right? You were scared that if somebody did get overdosed while you're getting high with them, that you were going to go to jail, they wouldn't call the police. So they would let them put them in the dumpster and they were dumping their bodies in garbage cans. So now yeah. they have the Good Samaritan thing here. Listen, if you call and you call in good faith, you say, listen, I was out here. We bought we bought a few decks of heroin. We're getting high and my friend overdosed and I'm scared. What do I do? I think right now they, they, they're trying to help people and they're trying to come in with Narcan and trying to save lives other than just locking people who are already addicts. Because think about it, locking up an addict, you're not solving the problem. You're not you're not fixing the issues that we have in this country with not the addict. You know, we already have enough to deal with. And I think it all depends on the situation and, and who calls and how. And I think that's what we're trying to do here. We're trying to save people's lives, not just lock up addicts because they're overdosing. I, I think we, we have yeah. responsibility to save lives and just lock up people for trying to do the right thing. Uh, Steve Peterson, this is a question I actually hear asked a lot from Meg P., um, is there because people are snorting cocaine too? Is there any truth to fentanyl laced dollar bills uh, that have been reported on? I worry about my kids picking it up. Is it something that people do need to be concerned about, or would you have to ingest it? And the chances are extremely low. I, I think the chances are extremely low I, for something like that. I really do. And and you're gonna have to forgive me because I'm gonna take a very unpopular stance on this. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we're looking at this couple. Uh, it could be all American couple. All this and that. I'm I'm a cynic, right? And I question everybody. I question everything. And well, I don't see the all-American couple. I see a, a judge who was disbarred because he ignored court orders, and he 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 refused to follow the instructions of Department of Social Services regarding his kids. And because he broke the court orders on that, he was take, removed from his judgeship. He was disbarred. If you look at Cammy's LinkedIn page, she's a healthcare professional. All right, so you got a healthcare professional and a judge on the fate, but you got a disbarred judge and a healthcare professional who's taking prescription drugs 
on the black market. Uh, 10 years ago, yeah, I would buy the fact that people thought they could buy prescription drugs on a black market and they were all fine. They all came from Mexico, but they were exactly what they purported to be. Today, nothing is what it purports to be. If you're buying drugs on the black market, whether they're illicit drugs, coke, heroin, meth, all of that is laced with fentanyl. Even to some degree, a lot of the marijuana is laced with fentanyl. But if you're you, but if you're buying prescription drugs on the black market, none of that is what it purports to be. None of it does. So you've got pill presses running night and day in Mexico. You've got pill presses running here in the U.S. that are pumping out these counterfeit pills. And some of them look pretty damn counterfeit. They look pretty shady as it is. But if you're a person like, like, and I think Manny mentioned it earlier, you know, somebody had uh, an, uh, a wisdom tooth out and said, take me home. I got a Percocet at home. And one of the kids goes, hey, I got a Percocet. I'll give you that. The girl takes it and she dies. Hey, that's an accidental overdose. I, I don't question that at all. What I question the fact is you start accepting prescription pills from anything other from anything other than a pharmacy, you don't, you're not getting what you think you're getting. It's not happening. And that is it. That's a cautionary tale. Don't be so naive to think that it is. Right. So Um, all the, all the other drugs are now at an all time low in price. You know, you can buy a kilo of methamphetamine here in South Carolina for $2,700. Never have I heard of it being that low. Twenty seven hundred bucks. When I was buying it in Atlanta in the eighties, it was it was about twenty four thousand dollars. Cocaine is now selling for sixteen five a kilo here in South Carolina. And it's and, and Steve, is that is is that because they're putting the cheaper fentanyl and all that in there? Well, it's because nobody wants it anymore it's not as popular yes it is laced it is all laced with fentanyl now but people want the powerful stimulant they were a stimulant they want that powerful depressant they want that opioid they want the, an opiate they want they want that powerful drug and meth and heroin or meth and coke without being laced don't have the same reaction don't have the same attraction the, the markets are open. The border is, is a disaster. These drugs are flooding across the border like never before. And, and the cartels are just getting richer. Our people are dying. And a, there is a difference. There's a big difference between an addict like Tommy was. And I don't mean to sound discouraging to Tommy. He's come a long way. But he was an addict looking for that high as opposed to somebody trying to take an Adderall, someone trying to take a Percocet, someone trying to take what they perceive as a prescription drug, but buying it from the black market. Then you're just stupid. There's no reason I don't think for one second that old Cammy here had no idea that the pills she was buying and grinding up weren't fentanyl-laced. I don't buy it. I'm, I'm just that kind of guy. Oh, yeah, but, but, uh, but, 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 Tommy, let me ask you this. Sure. I mean... One of the stories is a 17-year-old kid. I mean, these 17-year-old kids are trying pills for the first time. They get it from a friend who gets it from a friend, and it's laced with fentanyl, and they're dead. Um, yeah. it's, isn't that happening also? Uh, well, it is. Um, and and we're, what we're seeing is that people like I was, those aren't the people overdosing on this. Those people, honestly, if, you, if, if you're shooting uh, fent at this point, you figured it out because two milligrams of fentanyl will kill you. 
And every single one of these pills, they say got about a 60% chance of having more than two milligrams of fentanyl. The street junkies, people that have been breaking stuff up and, and putting it in their veins, have been shooting this stuff uh, and getting away with it. It is really the recreational user, and it's really who's targeted. These are Percocet 30s, right? They are knockoffs of Perc 30s. That, that's what they look like. Now, here's the thing. Cami, this is where I would uh, differ with you just slightly. There, I robbed banks. I was the president of a publicly traded company prior to that, right? So I went from, from being a guy that wasn't real stupid to, to being a guy that did stuff that is no one in their right mind does. I didn't rob one bank, right? I did this more than once. No one in their right mind does that. And the more time I've spent doing this lifeboat stuff and talking to thousands and thousands of addicts, the more I've come to realize that no, it really isn't a choice. Earlier, you know, when we talked about addiction, it really is one of those things that it's like diabetes, where you can eat yourself into di getting diabetes. Well, if you have that predisposition, and they can test it now, there's a difference between my brain and the non-addicted brain. Like this now can be done on a PET scan. So once we get uh, away from shaming um, addicts as much, not me, I'm a bank robber, I'll take that. But... <laughs> Somebody that, but somebody that might get disbarred for, uh, for you know, or somebody that, I mean, these, these are people that were, that, you know, not me. I'm not, I'm honestly not looking for any break, but we do shame addicts in a, in a way that makes it so that they don't come ask for help, which is a problem. Yeah. It's like victim shame, shaming with uh, anything else, I think. Um, the feds call that the Len Bias law. I will never forget the Len Bias death for those who are younger. Len Bias was a standout college basketball player at the university of maryland did cocaine one time uh <clears throat> dropped dead and died he had a whole future ahead of him Boston and uh, i remember I, I think yeah i think i was back in high school at the time and uh it was scary as hell but now this is uh, a daily occurrence uh vesper martini here uh by the way this is the amount of fentanyl that can kill you you're looking at it right now two milligrams like Tommy said, the amount of the tip of this pencil can be enough to kill an average American. That is absolutely crazy. Crazy. But uh, Vesper Martini here says Florida's uh, drug-induced homicide statute lists a number of controlled substances, and it was recently updated to state that the provision of fentanyl that causes death constitutes first-degree murder. So it looks like other states are heading that way. Um, Manny, to you. Um, uh, Steve, who is former DEA, mentioned the United States and Mexico, but other people are outraged at China. Is a lot of this coming from China as well? Is well, China to blame point, for this? Not? You know, you can get this crap through Amazon. You At one point, yeah, China was sending it. You, you can buy it through Amazon. They stopped that now. But that's where it was coming from. A lot of the illegal fentanyl, and it was cheap to buy it. And it was actually legal to buy it on Amazon. So. Do we hold them responsible? Absolutely. Anybody who's providing hmm. any poison that can come into this country like that and, and kill anybody, absolutely, they're responsible. Yeah, China, get your act together. Um, so police say, uh, this is just to go through some of the, uh, you know, the uh, details of this case. Police uh, then, after investigating the, uh, the, the death slash murder scene, say that Cami Ludwig purchased these fentanyl-laced pills as well as Xanax and cocaine. Uh, again, uh, the judge was uh, a former North Texas um, attorney and judge, as you heard. Uh, he was disbarred 
uh, Steve Peterson explained why. Um, and then he dies of this overdose. Um, she was initially arrested and charged with possession of a controlled substance. Um, Steve Peterson, there's, I have some quotes further down, but I'm just curious. Some defense attorneys who weighed in on this say that it's going to be an uphill battle for the state to charge her uh, with murder because it's really um, at its core intended for drug dealers and drug suppliers. Do you agree with that? Or is Texas going to make this woman an example? Well, I think they may make her an example. I, you know, I'm not a lawyer, but I have played one on TV. So uh, any any advice I give you on that is not based on my my uh, my law degree. But if you read the Texas law, they changed, they added, there was only three ways you could be charged with murder in Texas. And the fourth way is now the, the fent, what they call the fentanyl murder law, which says that if you manufacture or distribute uh, fentanyl in any quantity and it causes the death of another, you are now charged with murder. They don't have first-degree murder, second-degree murder. Texas laws are a little different. Um, but this is the fourth method of murder that you can be charged with. Um, and it's, it doesn't say there has to be any intent. It doesn't say it has to be distributed with the intent to cause death. All it has to say is you distributed a quantity that contained fentanyl and the person died. So the issue becomes really, if you're a co-user, you and your boyfriend are using drugs, and you're a co-user, you're co and, and, and I'm not going to even say they're addicts, right? But we all know, and I'm sure Tommy can attest, there's a lot of functioning addicts out there. So, But we've got, even if you're a casual drug user and you use together and your partner buys drugs that you both share and you one overdoses and the other doesn't, does that make the partner liable if the partner got it? Or is that intended for the source that the partner got it from? You know what I mean? So they may be trying to set an example because they're having so many people uh, die of these over are being poisoned with the belief they're taking a, a controlled substance. <coughs> it's something different. They believe they're taking a prescription drug and it's not. So if they can get it out there enough that, hey, you shouldn't be buying pills or any drugs from anybody other than CVS or Walgreens or whatever, you know. That might be the point they're trying to make. And and I have to agree, there's some, I think there's some logic to that. If, you, you know, I'm a parent, I got, I got three daughters, and I can tell you, if, if my kids were struggling in school, because you see a lot of this at the high school level, college level, young adult, they want to relax, they want to unwind, they want to do good in school, they want to take, take some ADHD medication to help them focus and study, they want to take the Adderall so that they can focus on exams. They buy it from Freddie, who got it from Sally, who got it from Snapchat. God bless. If, if you really need some help in school, go see a doctor. Get some, they, they write scripts for ADD medicine like they, like they used to write for pain meds. Get a prescription, buy it from CVS, and then you know what you're taking is safe. Otherwise, you're rolling a dice. And, and in, today's, in today's society, you're being intentionally naive to think otherwise. Steve Peterson, what do you what do you say behind behind closed doors? I guess to your daughters. I mean, now these are your children. Do you say don't you dare take something off the streets because you're going to die? Like, do you scare the crap out of them? What do you say to them? Oh, at this time, they're in their third, late twenties and thirties. They, I don't say anything to them now. But when they were younger, when they were when they were younger, when they were younger, younger. younger. put my fear of God in them. 
Not only would I beat them to death, I would beat all their friends at death. Yes, you don't take mm. any drugs. If you have Good. any respect for your father at all and what he did for a living, you'll stay away from this. And they were smart. Good. Enough. You beat, you beat, yeah, you beat up their boyfriends. I like to hear that. I'm sure Manny Matas does the same thing. Uh, Manny, um, what happened to the war on drugs? You know, in you've seen it many times up in Harlem, 125th, 135th on the uh, on the Harlem River Drive. You've got the crack is whack uh, back in those days. It was always the big war on drugs. Is there still this you know, war on know, drugs in, in the United States? today's society, and I think with what happened with with all the politics and the nonsense that we got going on today, you don't see that emphasis that we had back in the days. I mean, yeah, there was a big time. War on drugs back when I started in, in, in the, you know, the early 80s. Yeah, we hit this every single day. But now you got politicians that, and, and people that have gotten involved. This is not a focus anymore. I mean, this, this, unfortunately, they've crippled law enforcement and, and, and they tied the hands of the, of, the, of the good guys going out there doing God's work. And now they become the bad guys. And now we're wasting more time on looking at, at cops who lock up people for this and lock up people for that. And unfortunately, that happened. That's that's where the problem is with your war on drugs. People stop caring. We, we used to care. No, now everybody they they glorify criminals. They give criminals, you know, that light. They look look. Everybody wants to be a gangster. They want to be criminals, and and that unfortunately is a problem today. You know, and I'm guilty. I just watched Griselda, the story of Griselda right. Blanco here in Miami yeah. on Netflix, and uh, they glorify her. Um, and she was she not was a, a good person. She killed kids. And, I mean, this lady. Yeah. Was- let me tell you something. I, I know a lot of the old timers here in uh, Miami, old time news reporters. And back in the cocaine cowboys days, if it wasn't a quadruple homicide or higher, they didn't even cover it on the news. There were so many murders back then. Uh, look at this from the COE. Joel, did you call me? Everything okay? Driving back with car- everything's fine. My mic went out. Um, I, I have no internet. I have no idea what's wrong with my connection. Tommy, oh, good. Tommy had to host the show. We got um, yeah, I'm going to need you to come in tomorrow and check these connections because um, I can't change a light bulb and I'm definitely not going to be able to fix this problem. Uh, Boston Sarah, sadly, as a nurse, Tommy Scoville, it pains me to say that the U.S. healthcare system has greatly contributed to this crisis by handing out meds like candy, yanking them back and forcing people to the black market. Tommy, this is your story. Uh, you were a successful guy. You were injured, I guess, from skiing. You had pain meds. Doctor said no more. Um, how big a problem is this? Uh, yeah, I broke my neck um, <laughs> skiing, and mm. I went to a, a pain specialist that the Oxycontin was pretty new, and she literally said, word for word, you have to try to get addicted to this drug, because that is how the Sackler family uh, advertised it. Less than 3% of people that take this can get addicted to it. I was written a prescription for 12, 80s a day, swear to God. And I took that for probably nine months until the insurance company went, we're not paying this. I mean, this is just like, you got to go. <laughs> you know, it was the, and uh, the, the doctor said, well, we're going to move you from that to, um, to methadone. And when they said methadone, I went, what? like, that's for junkies. You know, and as dumb as it may sound to everybody, I had skied for a living and I'd been on pain meds my entire life. I didn't know that when I stopped taking them, I was going to get sick. It may sound really stupid, but I just skied forever. And when I stopped taking the stuff, I was so hopelessly addicted to it. I had a good job. I was able to be functioning until I couldn't. 
And then, you know, seven uh, grams a day was the, uh, was the habit. And I would have killed family members to continue to get it. And I'm not a bad person, but that drug took over the helm and I literally had zero control until I got it back. And it didn't take on the first sentence and it didn't take on the second sentence. It took three. So it's a bitch of a drug. Fortunately, technology is catching up and there's some really great treatments that didn't exist back in the day that could take hopeless people and give them a shot. You know, so like a, what? Like give me like, an example. What's like some... Suboxone is a uh, is a great um, it's been a great drug in the uh, in the treatment of this stuff for uh, for opiate uh, abuse disorder. Um, and it's it's not a one size fits all with anything. There are still people for whom methadone is a great treatment. If they if they started out because they were in massive amounts of pain and that's what started the process, then that's a better treatment than is Suboxone. Suboxone is not a great painkiller but it's great for helping people get off. When once you can eliminate someone having to go steal to come up with the money to get the dope, right? Spending all day long in parking lots waiting for people to deliver the dope. All of the things that you have to do to be in that life, you find yourself going, holy crap, I could go get a job. You know, I could I could do X, Y, and Z and, and things start falling into place. And the next thing you know, you own a home, you know? And, then, and you know, it's it, you can get back to the to the life you were, you were in. But what it does is it takes the desire to do the drug away without giving you a buzz, which is really kind of high tech stuff, you know? Um, we're kind of having two parallel conversations, which is interesting. The whole um, fentanyl, big drug epidemic issue, along with this story where they might set an example of a, a woman who gave drugs to her former attorney slash judge boyfriend in Texas, and she's now being charged with murder. According to the arrest affidavit in that case, uh, the Tarrant County medical examiner later did confirm fentanyl and uh, is it trazodone? Trazodone? Is that right? Yeah, that's an antidepressant. Uh, That was in his system, uh, an antidepressant. Uh, grapevine detectives found 40 blue fentanyl lace pills marked with M30, along with cocaine, oxycodone and uh, oxycodone and Xanax, all in Ludwig's purse. Tommy, what is the M30? What is that? That's a counterfeit Percocet 30, which is the same thing as an oxycontin. Oxycodone, and the reason that they differentiated between those two is because she had real pills, right? In that purse, she had oxycodone. So she either had a hookup to get the real stuff. The dealer was doing half and half. She had a script. She was doing something. But um, the both dealers in this case, oddly enough, she had two phone numbers that she had been texting for drugs, but they were at the same address. It's kind of an odd, odd uh, case on this. But uh, yeah, the the, uh, the Perk 30s are their, their counterfeit. When, when the Sackler family changed OxyContin so you couldn't snort it anymore, you couldn't put it in a needle anymore, and you couldn't shove it up your nose anymore. And it took all the fun out of it for drug addicts. So they they made the 30 Percocet, just a, it's an Oxycontin 30 and they put a different name on it. But that M30 is a counterfeit of that. Because like Steve was saying, back when all of those people got kicked to the street and got and went to heroin because you could no longer get anything. Well, the only thing they could still get that was like that was a Perc 30. So that's why that's what's coming across the border. It's eating really like the last wave of people that got addicted. Uh, pills were also found, according to detectives, on the floor next to the bed uh, where William Nolan was found and a cut straw on the vanity suggesting pills were being crushed and snorted. Um, from Allison Metcalf Palumbo, Tommy is correct. Charging this woman, Steve Peterson, with murder 
will cause people to not call the cops if somebody overdoses. To say otherwise is woefully wrong and biased. Is it a problem to charge her? And by the way, don't buy a Chinese dog toy. I'm a huge dog lover. How the hell do I know, obituary, if I'm buying it? I just run into PetSmart and I buy. I got to look at every label now. What do I have to do? Let me know, obituary. But Steve Peterson, um, is it is this a mistake? Are people going to, you know, do what... Uh, Manny was saying, and and dump bodies to get away from the crime. Oh, um, I would say no, because it all depends. Well, the, the 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 quick and short answer is depends. Right, depends is just not a fashionable undergarment. Um, it really depends on who dies. You know what? If you had a, a good friend, a ch one of your children, if you had a relative who accidentally overdosed, regardless of where they got it from, of course you're going to call the police. Of course you're going to call and report it. If you're the one who's supplying the dope and your your user dies in your house and you're supplying it, I don't think you're going to call them regardless of what the law says. But so Cammy wasn't. I don't know that Cammy was a supplier. That user supplier thing, really, when you get down to our level. Are you the yeah. user? Are you the supplier? Are you a joint user? That, yeah, that's to me, great. is the biggest issue. Yes, that's where it's going to get gray, I think. Because that, and somebody said it earlier in the chat. I didn't catch the name of who said it, but the, the definition of the word dealer in this one is going to, I think, really, right. really, we're right. supplier. And, and it doesn't use, I don't believe the law uses the word dealer. It says anybody who manufactures or dispenses or distributes. Right. So that all depends on how you how you do it. Yeah. What's more it's curious be interesting. Is, it really is they die in he dies or he's found dead in his bedroom. His kid sleeping in the next room. She gets up and runs to the neighbor's house to dial 911. Now, who does that? Somebody wasted and panicked. I figured this is in my head as a junkie, the way I figured, and I'm just living, reliving this. As soon as I heard this the first time, I thought. You know, as a, as a drug addict, I figured they both probably did a line. He laid down, right? She probably fell asleep on that dude's chest and woke up to him cold and yeah. went, ah, and freaked the hell out. And they said she acted absolutely bizarre. She had a purse full of blow, a purse full of Xanax, a purse full of Oxycontin, and a purse full of fake Oxycontin. I would imagine she was terrified. She probably knew murder or some variation. But to me, the the... the the differentiation is if I have that same straw in my nose and I'm snorting the same pile of powder you are, I'm probably not the supplier. I'm a user who's using it with you. Because the, the in my experience, over 30 years of doing that dope, I never once got high with anybody that sold me the stuff. For right. <laughs> real, they usually had nothing. They came and dropped that crap off and got out of Dodge. Because as right. far as they were concerned, we were just filthy. Now the question becomes, were they both snorting? Or was she taking the Percocet? Was she taking the actual prescription? Right, the real prescription I mean, it could be the perfect murder, too. It, I mean, exactly. You know, and he, yeah. no. I'm skeptical. You know what I mean? I don't that's know why, the, that, that's I don't interesting. Know. Um, Manny, uh, by the way, is it me or does Manny look like a young Josh Mankiewicz with a crazy New York accent? He looks like Josh Mankiewicz, this guy. Dateline. He could be a stand-in for Josh Mankiewicz. I can see, um, I can see that yeah, yeah. Mischief managed. Um, Manny, what about this? Wouldn't accidental murder or manslaughter be a more realistic charge? No one is going to be uh, calling for help if this continues. But then you get this comment uh, from 
Jet Wilson, who says this woman will not want me on her jury. She's part of the problem. Um, what do you think when it comes to this law? Too much? Or I too think little? It was just or before by everybody right. on the panel. I think it's going to depend on, again, it looks like they're, they're looking for accountability, right? And, that, and that's what we want to do, make people accountable. But in the same breath, are we doing it the right way? Who's accountable for your death? If you're, if you're, if these guys are just getting high, if she bought the drugs with him and they're both users, they're both addicts, is she really responsible for his death? Or did he just have a, an overdose? Is this an accidental overdose? And I think that's going to depend how this plays out. Because I think going forward, if she gets charged with murder and she called 911, she was trying to save him, trying to help him, and now who, then who's going to call again? So I think it's, it's, going to depend on how this plays out. Doing manslaughter, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you charge murder, manslaughter, accident. Listen, did she in? And that comes down to, when it's presented to the jury, they're going to convince a jury that she had pure intentions of having him die to charge the murder. If okay. not... But the law doesn't have anything about intention in it. The law no. doesn't mention there's no intent. It's really odd, and it's vague as hell. It was winning in September. It's really rare. Because of that, yeah. you're going to have a problem going forward because then people won't call. Uh, Think about it. Did you leave it that vague, and now I'm me doing the right thing, I may go to jail for the rest of my life because I try to save somebody's life. Are you going to call? Probably not. A lot of people went in dumpsters. A lot of people I went wouldn't dumpsters. call if I gave the drugs. Well, right. But if I'm not involved, right. I would call. Right. It's right. right. Those who have nothing to hide, hide nothing. So if you have nothing to hide, you have nothing to worry about, you'll make the call. No doubt. But if you're somehow involved, you might not make the call. And I don't know right. that that law is going to make any difference in the way people perceive that. It is that not going to make a difference. Because, listen, that those people realize, I promise you, just like Steve said, when you're a user and you're in that life, you're, you, there's not a shocker that this drug can kill you. You're seeing right. it every single day. You know 40 people that died, but you need that drug or you're going to get so violently ill. And sadly, most addicts can't see past that violently ill. It hurts and it's it's more than, right. you know, so, but that's, yeah, it's, it's, this is ugly, ugly I, stuff and it's going to get uglier. Well, I think Steve did the best thing. I mean, you just show people how much of this drug can kill you. I think people take for granted. No one real realizes you know, it only takes grains to kill yeah. you. And I think that's important for people to see that. That little bit on that pencil can take your life. What are you doing? And you know, it's a, a fine point, but I think that this is probably important that the, as Steve was mentioning, carfentanil, the difference between carfentanil and fentanyl is a really big deal. And it gets... Because people uh, confuse the two, you got kids who are going, stuff's not deadly, rub their finger through it, right? It's the stuff they talk about on TV, you touch it, it kills you. And that really got out there, that if you touch this stuff, it will kill you. And it actually became a test. You had idiots literally putting their fingers in pile of it going, got nothing to worry about. And now guys are sticking their nose in it. I mean, it, it, carfentanil is made for elephants. Very little of it ends up, ends up on the street. When it does, it kills everybody that touches it. And you hear about it. It's usually like 25 people over the course of a weekend die in a city because some idiot tried to put carfentanil on the street. It takes about the equivalent of about three grains of salt of carfentanil to yep. kill you. And they're wow. not bringing you back. You could do it in no. an emergency room. They're not Think bringing you back. Think of how big a grain of salt is. One grain. Yeah. You have about what three. Does it 
Carfentanil. Steve, what is it? What does it do to your body? What does it do to you? Well, it shuts you down. Is- I mean, it's so powerful. I mean, your whole nervous system gets cut off. It just it just shuts you down. Just get, you stop breathing. Your heart stops. Everything. Respiratory oh. depression being the key is you're just going to stop. You're and you're so relaxed, right? The you people nod so out, stop breathing, and don't care. You know that you stop breathing and you just go with it. When you bring yeah. them back, they're well, very well. angry. I've brought a bunch of them back. No one's ever happy about it. They're usually real pissed. Mm. <laughs> sad, but sad, but true. Uh, you can test. Tommy, would you ever? Tommy, Tommy, would you ever see ODs in prison? People are asking about the prevalence of drugs in prison. Very prevalent. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you see ODs, you yeah. see ODs all the time in prison, um, and mm. most of them uh, don't end up dead. Usually, usually, there's a real vested interest in the people trying to make sure that the guy doesn't die because it's going to bring a whole lot of heat. And yeah. it's not like you can run down the street and dump them in a dumpster behind a, uh, a you know a, a Walmart. This person is right there, uh, so people spend a lot of time working to make sure that the overdoses don't die. But um, you still see them, yeah, and you, and you still see people they can't bring back. Uh, and I was getting out. I was getting out of prison as the fentanyl epidemic was going in. And for the last five years I was in prison, I wasn't doing dope. I got clean while I was in there. But uh, there's so much dope inside, it's insane. And, uh, yeah, people over um, all the time. KO Las Vegas asking, we don't know the trial date. Uh, they're still in kind of the prelim- preliminary stages or if there will be a trial or some sort of plea. De- oh, Brusty here says, why have we not? This is a good question. Why have we not heard any updates on the three Kansas City fans who died, Chiefs fans who died in the backyard, found frozen uh, to death? Um, Steve Peterson, do you? there were some preliminary tox tests right. uh, that came back, but it takes sometimes weeks, if not months. Uh, Steve Peterson. If you had to guess, what do you think happened in that situation? Oh, I think I think they were all partying a little too hard. I think the owner of the house passed out on the couch, and the other three mopes went out in the backyard not thinking, and they just kind of nodded off out there and froze to death. That's it. Uh, that is a very uh, – it's a way I don't want to go. It doesn't seem too fun. A little. I don't like being chilly. Um so back to this story. We're in it. We're weaving this story together with this conversation. A search of Cami Ludwig's phone shows um, the sources of where she got these fentanyl lace pills. Uh, Tommy had mentioned this earlier. They they only they went by the names Blue and T. These are obviously the drug dealers. Um, Cammy Ludwig was a at a Fort Worth address the night before the death of her boyfriend. Police also found a package at the judge's home from Louisiana that was addressed to Cami Ludwig containing an iPhone box and dozens of Xanax pills. Uh, Tommy, I'm not too street smart, as I think you've probably figured out. But what's the deal with the um, any relevance to the iPhone box along with the uh, Xanax pills? No, there's a lot of people that ship uh, drugs through the mail and everybody's got some you know, massive oh, plan of what the yeah, what the great idea is, and like I guess for them, it's uh, resealing a phone box, seeing a lot of different mm-hmm. ways. But yeah, it's just a way to, sh- to ship it. No, no, nothing there probably. Yeah, Manny, screw the um the drug dealers. Let's talk about you for a second. You you were basically in charge of the the uncles, as they say in the NYPD, the undercovers. Um, tell me what what would you do? I mean, I know you did so many different things, but give us. Give us a classic Manny story. Um, I'll tell you this. Uh, my friend, Captain Tommy Russo, 
being that it was in Brooklyn where he worked, he was an Italian from Staten Island. And sometimes he would dress as a Hasidic Jew and go undercover as a Hasidic Jew in Brooklyn to catch people. So I love these stories. Manny, give me something uh, of that ilk, please. Well, well, again, I guess for me, I when I first came on the job, I was, you know, came from a very strict family, um, Roman Catholic family. I didn't know too much about drugs. They Just because I knew Spanish, they had taken me and sent me up to Washington Heights. So I may believe that I was a a gangster from Jersey that I had a strip club in New Jersey and that I was buying drugs to go back to Jersey and I was buying heroin and coke for the girls. And these Dominican drug dealers were loving it. And that was one of the roles that I played back when I was doing uh, undercover work. But I mean, some of the stuff that we've done and we've dealt with, if you watch the show, uh, you know, undercover court on tape, it's just that it's, it's stories about different undercovers that, their anxieties and their experiences in different situations and how they dealt with it. And that's what our show is all about that we have on, uh, on Thursday nights at 10 o'clock in A&E. And, and, and if you really want to get an idea in the mindset of, a, of an undercover, you definitely got to tune in and watch that show. Check it out. 10 o'clock A&E. Uh, Manny on STS will be on the television set. Please check it out. Someone asked Tommy Scoville, do you have a book? You don't have a book, do you? Uh, I am talking to some people uh, currently. I do not currently have a book out. I have been trying not to write a book for the longest period of time, but it looks like it's going to happen. Um, Well, you might have to talk to my guy. um, And so I will have to arrange that. But uh, Diana Johnson here says, I wouldn't buy anything off the street, not even weed or vape cartridges. China and other cartels want to kill us. Steve Peterson, is this very sage advice? Never buy anything off the street. Just go to a drugstore or get it. I don't know how else. I think that's the only advice you can give today because nothing is is what it's purported to be. And if you really believe otherwise, you're incredibly naive. And sadly, a lot of the overdose, one-time overdoses, are from incredibly naive kids. Because they get something from somebody else who got it from Instagram, and because they've known this schmuck on Instagram for a month, they're like besties. You don't know who you're talking to. You know nothing, you know? And and this is this is what it is. So, you know, if I if my kids were growing up again today, if they were younger and going to school, going to high school, going to college, what I would stress to them is the importance of if you feel like you need help to augment your abilities to do good in school, you need help to focus. If you need, please don't self-medicate. Please come see me. We'll go see a doctor. And if you need some, because if you're taking Adderall and you don't have ADHD, the Adderall does nothing, but it's more like an amphetamine. It just hypes you up, keeps you hyped. But it doesn't help you focus. It doesn't help you study. It doesn't do that, right? It only does that for people who actually have a problem. So if you have a real problem, we'll get you some medication that you can trust that I don't have to worry about reading about you the next day in the paper. So uh, that's that's all. I can't. Protecting your kids. Yeah. I- there you go. And I can't tell. I think Tim Howells might be punking me, although I've never seen the name. So maybe this is for real. But do you have a book coming out? Um, thanks for asking. In Are fact, you working I on do this? have a book. Are you working out. on this? Uh, in fact, I do have a book. And there's the QR code. Uh, it's, a, it's a compelling story. Read it. 
buy it and read it. How about that? Well, you're going to leave that code up there longer than that because nobody can get their phone out and take that picture of that QR code. He does make a really solid point, Joel. I mean, <laughs> if you go to Amazon, that's why I put it back up. It's a good yeah, point. Yeah, I just have go. to show Manny's head here. I have to get Manny's <laughs> head back in here. So, Manny, while the code is staying up there, per the guest request, not mine, um, the, there's a defense attorney that was quoted in this article, not affiliated affiliated with this case, Manny, um, the Cami Ludwood case. And this defense attorney says, from my understanding of the facts of this case, I don't think that was the intent of the bill or the law. When the bill was passed, I do not think it was intended to pursue individuals who are drug users. But is it going to become that? Is that going to become the intent of this law or no? Well, are you hearing them? Because I just I lost not. them again. I am not. Oh, you're not. I got okay. you. Got you. Not. There, there you go, Manny. I'm There's, sorry. I don't know what's I, I going on anymore. Gonna depend. I think just like you said, they're going to explore different factors now. And as they get, you know, into in depth in this whole thing, again, this is, I think it was just to hold people accountable for murder, right? And if you're a drug user and you're trying to do the right thing and help people, you shouldn't be prosecuted for trying to save somebody's life. And I think once they figure it out, they'll get it right. I mean, right now, they, they're not sure what they're doing. This is still too new. Uh, here's a quote up here um, just gotta, from the Grapevine Police. They found evidence. She sought out the pills. She bought them and brought them back to the victim. He took them and he died. That is a statement, obviously, uh, from the uh, Grapevine Police. Uh, the Grapevine Police are now trying to track down the drug dealers. Steve Peterson, are they going to get them? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, you, you'll get them, uh, you know, because you got all, all the phone records now. Everybody's become, you know, secret squirrel. They think they're so <laughs> swift and they think they're so stealthy. And my God, you know, yeah, it, it just takes somebody with some reasonable skills on, on fishing through your cell phone, checking out your social media um, accounts and so forth. And once you once you get all that stuff, yeah, they'll find them. Now, will they prosecute them? Because you need more than just a cell phone connection. You've got to be able to show the conspiracy. You've got to be able to show the context. But I can promise you that Cami will end up trying to cut a deal. Part of her deal will be to testify against the drug suppliers. So she'll be more than willing to testify against these other guys if it saves her skin, because that's just the way it is. So, yeah, I think that they'll get them. I, I don't know to what extent they'll prosecute them. Too early to say, we are way too early. This is only a weeks ago that she was charged. She died in November. She was only charged like two weeks ago. Um, you're looking here at uh, a, he was a junior in high school, Chance Stovall, and this could be any of our children. This is just one of a gazillion stories like this. And it actually, I was reading the story and it just linked to this. So I opened it up. Uh, this 17 year old, um, in Collin County, Texas, out of Wiley, Texas is the town, uh, died of an overdose death. Uh, and now this guy uh, who did the drugs with him, uh, Connor Miller, is being charged very much the same way uh, as this woman, Cammie Ludwig, is, although this guy was apparently a drug dealer. Um, the father of the young boy, uh, and I'll put the boy back up, 17 years old, and he looks like a boy. He doesn't yeah, look like does. a big mature kid but the dad said i got a knock got a knock on my door at five in the morning two police officers knocked on the door 
They said your son overdosed and he's being rushed to Children's in Dallas. Uh, the son, it turned out, sneaked out of the house uh, and went to meet this guy. The suspect, of course, the 21-year-old who you saw in the mug shop there, he survived. Um, he, he says, according to court documents, the survivor, that he woke up and found Chance dead, um, unconscious on the floor. The dad now um, is coping, obviously, with uh, a lot of guilt and sorrow. It says, as a parent, you have to give them a little bit of space so they can learn things on their own. You know what I'm saying? Unfortunately, this one, this lesson cost him his life. Um, Tommy Scoville, um, what would you say to my, my children are still a little young, thank God. But what would you say to teenage? You know, they used to do, they still do scared straight. You've been in these shoes. What would you say to a 12, a 13, a 14 year old in high school right now? Um, I, I, I go a slightly different route. Um, what I, what I do is, uh, I, my thing is this, they, they did that with me and it didn't work a leg, right? It just didn't. Um, so the approach I take is I talk to kids about drugs and I tell them exactly what they do. I don't BS it. I don't make it any worse than it is because it doesn't need to be right. So I don't, I don't tell them if they smoke pot, they're going to develop breasts, right? That's a big one that, that dare used to do when you start lying to kids. And then you say to them, you know, weed makes you grow boobs and none of their friends have a rack after smoking a quarter ounce a day. They go, you know what? We got BS. And then you say to them, this fentanyl stuff can kill you. And they go, yeah. And weed's going to give me a, a D cup, right? So if you lie to your kid anywhere along the way, have an open communication and open dialogue. And sometimes it sucks. You know, sometimes your kid says, I smoked pot. And you got to go, oh, and not, you know, and, and just go, I really didn't want that to happen. I'm really happy that we're talking about it, right? But I don't want that to happen. But, but if, you, if you lose your mind the first time your, your child has that conversation, they learn really quickly that dad doesn't want to hear about this. I'm not going to talk to him about it. So to me, you know, I said to my kids, I was a, I was a business guy who ended up a heroin guy who ended up a, a convict. It's not going to happen to you guys. And it's not going to happen because we're going to talk about it. I mean, we, we are literally going to talk about this until you wish I was not your dad. And I talk mm -hmm. to my kids about drugs. I literally, it's a daily event for me because it's the number one chance they're going to die. That's it. Not cancer, not a car wreck, not anything else. The number one chance of killing my kids is fentanyl. So I mm -hmm. talked to them about Tommy, it. Tommy, how many kids do you have, Tommy? I have two children. Two children. Um. Marie P. says the 13-year-old me wouldn't care what you say, which is sadly true. Um, and Malibu, uh, Tommy, right back to you. Why is almost 50% of the population addicted to drugs or alcohol? Is it that high? Is it true? Uh, yeah, it's certainly really close. If you, uh, if you break down all the numbers, it's in the very high 40s, according to statistics. And that's really the great question, isn't it? Steve said the same thing. That if, if you're going to win the war on drugs, you know how you win it. You win it on the demand side. You don't win it on the supply side because there's always going to be enough money for somebody to go, ah, I'll take that risk. Right? He just got busted. Okay, I'll take the, uh, the next load across. There's always going to be that person. Right? It's just black markets create that kind of money and people will always. But if you could decrease the demand, right, then they'll stop shipping the crap. Usually it does work that way with everything. Right? That's why we're not wearing members only jackets and buying beanie babies. Hey, 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 I uh, still have a members-only chat. So do I, but I don't rock it. You know? <laughs> uh, Danishka Bradell says, this story hits too close to home. 
I lost my sister November 26th. Uh, this is this past November. It's Thanksgiving. She I'm died sorry. alone in a hotel. Um, and again, um, this is an epidemic. Uh, call you know, you can define it any way you want, but there's everyone pretty much knows somebody that knows someone that has died of a drug overdose and it's got to stop. I don't know. Uh, we'll end it with some uh, in a minute or two with some uh, thoughts by these experts about what could uh, potentially stop it. This guy here to put his photo back up. Um, he was struggling. He was dealing and he was struggling with addiction. He's the one that survived, but he wrote a note, uh, Tommy. He wrote a note that said uh, to his parents, I think if anything happens to me, I love you. And I thank you all for the chances. I'm sorry I did this. It was not on purpose. Give info for the funeral. We'll give it to the people I was in rehab with. I loved all of them. Love Connor. He wrote this note in case he died. He didn't die. Um, is that something that you ever considered doing, Tommy, or did or know people who wrote notes fearing that they would die of drugs? No, I've never. I never saw anybody that was uh, that was that conscious of it. But again, I was a heroin addict, right? And we didn't, it wasn't like this with heroin. You could always bring them back. You really could. I mean, unless you, you know, the, the, the big thing back when I was uh, an addict was we used to say to our friends, hey, man, don't, don't fix them all. You know what I mean? If you're going to call me on the phone, right, talk to me. Because chances are I could get in my car, get to his house and save his life before he'd be dead. For real, like heroin was just a different drug. It's sad to think that that's the good old days. But honestly, that was a drug that at least didn't kill you you know, you had a shot at bringing people back. Mm. Um, just to put this in perspective, and then we'll get some closing thoughts. In 2022, uh, the DEA, Steve Peterson's old agency, seized more than 58 million pills containing fentanyl. I think there's 330 million Americans. So 50, they, they got, this is what they got. This is what they caught. 58 million pills, 13,000 pounds of fentanyl. That is... Mm. Uh, Steve Peterson, 387 million, that's the population of the United States, deadly doses that never reached communities. That's what the DEA says, that they basically took 387 million deadly doses off the streets. Steve Peterson, do you consider yourself a hero? You were saving lives by getting drugs off the streets. Um, are the guys at the agency helping? I mean, is it a real tangible impact uh with what you guys and the and your your cohorts there who are still there what they're doing is it a real real service do you think i, I believe it is you know there one one american overdoses on fentanyl every 10 minutes in this country and i believe that the guy's still at dea and in fact i just spoke to my old partner a couple of days ago he and i had a phone conversation he's still on a job and you know it's it's not it's not a job for us. For well, for some people it is, but it's a calling. It's something we do. It's something we believe in. And we may never win the war, but occasionally we win a little battle. Occasionally we win a skirmish. Occasionally we take back a community. Occasionally we save a neighborhood. And if that's the best we do, that's the best we do. But we've got to stop glamorizing it. We have to make it, you know, we have to stop making it like, Every day we're gonna we're going to legalize this and legalize that. Look at look at Oregon. They basically decriminalized all drug use. And now they got the largest homeless population in the United States. They got the biggest um 
welfare population in the United States. They've got nothing but crime in the it, it, that overshadows everywhere else. And and you think that's going to help? You think that's working? I'm not saying we need to put lock up and throw away the key everybody who tries a, a drug. I'm not saying that. But I mean, just to rationalize it, normalize it, we've got to get away from from that. We need to get away from the feeling that we need to self-medicate whenever we're feeling depressed. You know what? Life's tough, buttercup. Suck it up. You're not always mm. going to be thrilled and happy and joyous. It's part of life. And if you think you can take a substance and make you feel bad every time you're feeling sad, well, then, yeah, you'll always be on a substance because who wants to feel sad? Well, that's well put, Steve. Uh, easier said than done, but well put. Yeah, well, uh, the CDC. Said than done. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the CDC life is tough and I think it's getting tougher and, uh, I'm not exactly sure why. I don't know if it's a post pandemic thing, but that's a whole other conversation. The CDC says 110,000 people died of drug overdoses just in 2022. Um, the administrator for the DEA said, and this is a quote, fentanyl is the single deadliest drug threat our nation has ever encountered. Fentanyl is everywhere, which is a, a scary um, thought when you think about it in those terms. Um, so can you imagine Lindsay what Shed the next drug is? Can you oh, imagine? I can tell you already. You probably know too, right? Nitazines, phytonitazines, and isonitazines. What is it? 50 times stronger. What is that? It's 50 times stronger than fentanyl. It's already on the streets, 36 states so far, right? They call it ISO. It's the big one down in Florida. They're calling it ISO. And it's stronger than fentanyl. It's cheaper. It is the bathtub version of uh, of an opiate. It is to opiates what crystal meth was to uh, amphetamines. This is the easiest hey, what's recipe it called, in the world. Tom, Tommy, what's it called again? The, the family of name, the family of drugs is called nitazines. Some people say nitazines, but uh, iso and phytonitazine or nitazine. And, uh, and, it's if, already and, and are they going to do the same thing? Are they going to put that into these fake Percocets? Already doing it. It's our, they're already and, doing uh, it. It's a cheaper version of uh, of, of fent. And and sadly, are you and are you dead? I mean, are you just dead if you take it? Again, if you're a street user and you're a and you're a savvy street user, you're going to bust that stuff up into really small piles. You're probably going to put a little bit on tin foil and hit it, see what it does, and then you're going to figure out how much you're going to put the kids that are trying this stuff for the first time, it's going to turn off their lights. And the sad thing is that, and, and I say this with no disrespect to anybody, but the, the, the general idea of most of the world is, and, and was mine, even while in prison, you know what, we, everybody needs to just sort of, uh, you know, buckle down, right? Buttercup was the term. But if I said to you, don't you, you're, you are absolutely soft, right? You can get through this day with that sugar. You don't need that freaking insulin. Toughen up a little bit, right? Everybody right. on planet Earth goes, that's ridiculous. But I'm telling you that what's going on inside the mind of the addict is a disease that has just about as much control. Now, doesn't mean you can't get clean, but it requires an intervention. And unfortunately, the, hey, buckle up, runs everybody out. Like the first thing they think is, these people are going to make this hell on me. And the, the message has to be, I know this sucks. I know somehow you got caught up in this disease, but there's a way out of it. And, and I promise you, it's what I deal with every day is people that are just, they're so afraid that they're going to be judged as a piece of crap when they walk in the door and say, I need help, but they just don't walk in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So. 
Uh, Lindsay Shea, uh, Jersey girl, Jersey woman, but you know what I'm saying. My hometown, <laughs> Tom's River, New Jersey, home of Frankie, the answer, Edgar, the UFC fighter, has been really hit hard the past 15 years or so. So many people I got, graduated with are gone, and sadly, this is going on in so many states uh, in so many towns and so many cities. Per, Tom, per Tommy, uh, the opposite of addiction is connection. That's how we reduce the demand side, connect with people, don't abandon them or condemn them. Um, this has been a really fascinating conversation. Um, Manny Matos, he served as the undercover coordinator for the NYPD Organized Control Bureau. He did it with distinction. He started his career in 1986, retired gracefully. I love that. In 2020, you can see him on A&E this Thursday night at 10 p.m. on the show undercover caught on tape that is on a and e please check it out uh he was in charge of the training and recruitment of over 500 500 undercover nypd officers uh the best uh police organization in the world um manny I'm going to ask you a question, and you're going to laugh when I ask it. What is the solution? What's the answer? What do we I do? I think everybody touched it. we got to communicate with our kids. we got to communicate with each other. we got to let people know that there has to be a better awareness to the problem. And I think the more we talk about it and, and not be fearful of what other people are going to say, communication is key. Mm -hmm. There you go. Um, it's what I learned to do in media. I wish I could uh, figure out a way to help with this, but uh, I think hopefully we'll tell more stories and try to get uh, the word spread. Steve Peterson, he was a senior special agent of the DEA, the Drug Enforcement Agency. He also helped bust up the real Walter White from Breaking Bad. Uh, that was featured on one of our series called Surviving My Biggest Case. He's also uh, heavily uh, involved in the Alec Murdoch, saga that's a whole other issue um steve peterson same question i mean what do you tell a 15 year old kid today <laughs> you don't tell a 15 year old kid anything they already know everything <laughs> you know you've got to start a lot younger than 15 and and it's really just what do i tell my kids i have a five-year-old almost five-year-old what do i tell them well you you tell them to trust you and you get them to have that trust so they'll talk to you and you're not going to want to hear everything they have to say. God knows my kids probably kept a ton of secrets from me that I'm glad they kept. But at the same time, you know, you just you have to develop that. trust. It's it's all about the family. If you can build the family, we would eliminate so many problems in this country. And the problems we have are really because family is breaking down and we're dividing ourselves up against each other. And it's and it's become horrible. Mm. Uh, my kid could be at risk because I did tell him uh, he played tennis for the first time. And I told him uh, if he doesn't win Wimbledon, the French Open, the U.S. Uh, Open and the Australian Open, never to come home again. Wow. I told my daughter the other day on the soccer field not to come home if she loses. And she started sobbing. Um, and I, I'm really I'm a nice dad. But she just took it the wrong way. And uh, I got to get you one of those much, mugs. I, yeah, pretty much everyone on the field absolutely hated me, thought I was the biggest jerk off. Um, but I really, I was joking. I was just joking. I just said, by the way, here's a number down here. Uh, there's a person in the chat, this is interesting, from Catherine, who is a heroin addict, Tommy, who has relapsed and is ashamed. What can you tell her? Great. And here are the numbers, by the way, at the bottom of the screen. If you need help. In, in 30 minutes, I'm going to be live on the lifeboat. Let's go over to my channel in 30 minutes. We'll do a whole show on 
Honestly. But there you go. I will, I will tell go you. To the light go to the lifeboat. I'll be waiting for you. 30 minutes. I'll even get there early. Tommy Scoville, he was raised in upper middle class family. You heard him. He was president of a publicly traded company. He was a professional skier. By the way, he told me he can still do a backflip on the ski slopes, which is kind of crazy. Um, and basically, he was taken. He was he was forced to give up pain meds by his doctors, put him on a bad path. He ended up robbing banks, ended up in uh, the prison system. And now he has turned his life around. Thank you, Lifeboat. Uh, Lifeboat is the YouTube channel. Does amazing work. Tommy, um, final thoughts tonight. Talk to you, kids. I'm telling you, these the, the both of these guys nailed it. There's nothing I could add to that. The communication is what's gonna save this. We're not gonna, we're not gonna ever make it so that people don't wanna, you know, smuggle drugs across the border and so on. It's 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 a way out of poverty, but you gotta get it. The small battles, like Steve was saying, we may not win the war on drugs. It is honestly our second biggest budget. We blow more money on the war on drugs than we do anything else other than military. But you can win those battles in your living room, right? We don't have to depend on the DEA for that one. You can win the battles in your living room, but you got to talk to your kids. And they nailed it. Build a relationship so that it sucks how honest your kids are with you. If they think that everything they tell you, you're going to take without ripping their head off or yelling at them, or then they'll tell you things you don't want to hear, and it'll be a, a really good thing as a parent. That's my opinion. Mm. Mischief Manage says he's going to see Tommy in 30 minutes. Look at this. This is a drawing by an STS niche, not just any member, one of the OGs. That is Catherine in Maui. Wow. Um, I wish we had the actual photo. It is unbelievable. Catherine, you didn't tell me you're like a world-renowned artist here. This is an identically precise drawing of our new puppy. I don't want us to forget Ethel Bug Johnson, but Frederick... Morris Momo Roosevelt Brown is the newest addition to the family. The Morris Roosevelt is for Mabel Rose, my puggle of 17, almost 17 years. May she rest in peace. And uh, people think I'm crazy. A lot of people think I'm crazy, but I can tell you this. Mabel Rose is inside that dog, and I'll tell you how I know. She chews leather shoes, and she eats like a little piglet. And that's what Mabel Rose used to do. There you go. She's in there. So uh, everyone, heavy show, uh, wishing everybody the best tomorrow. Quick um, reminder, um, 5.30, we've got the Vallow family, uh, Lori Vallow's brothers coming on along with wow. uh, her uncle. It's going to be an interesting show. And then the Michelle Traconis trial is starting to wind up um, and they could have a verdict as soon as tomorrow. Whoa. So we're going to do a 7 p.m. on that. The problem is I have no idea how I'm going to prepare. Carm is speaking about the Holocaust at a school, about her survival story at a school. I'm taking her at 830 in the morning. And Fred Brown is going to get his nostrils checked at 3 p.m. So how will I ever fit in show prep? I don't know. I'll do it tonight. You're I guess. a pro. Um, I am a pro. Not sure if she's here. Happy birthday to Mish in Cape Town, South Africa. I can't get over the resemblance between Manny and uh, he's a young Josh Mankiewicz. Steve Peterson uh, is one of our best-looking panels. Love these guys. Tommy, you're the best. Thank you all for tuning in. Until tomorrow, love you, America. Love you, New York City. Manny, where'd you grow up in, in New York City? In the My dad's from the Bronx, the Boogie Down Bronx. My dad grew up. Right off the Grand Concourse, Marion Avenue. Yeah, nice. my dad. There you go. That's you can only get that New York accent if you grow up in the Bronx. And then Steve Peterson, where are you from in Boston, Steve? Actually, I'm from Worcester. 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 
What's that? Uh, Steve Peterson, I know you won't believe this, but I saw ACDC when I was in college. It had to be 1989 in Worcester, Mass, at the whatever arena was there at the time. Which was I think it was the, called the Worcester Centrum back then. Yep. I, I think was it there. was. You were there? I was there. In fact, we probably didn't miss a lot. I, I, I went to a lot of shows there. I, I, was, I was in that part of the Northeast. I, I, uh, I went to college What's the central? But usually yeah, just for shows. I, lo- I love it. All right, everyone. Till tomorrow. Love you. Final seconds of the game, a chance to score and the chance has gone begging. If your business's commerce platform keeps missing the target on golden opportunities, get the MVP you deserve. Get Shopify. (coughs) Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool that you need to start, run and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. So whether you're selling signed football boots from Shopify's in-person POS system or you're vending vintage shirts on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you are covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. What I love about Shopify is how, no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And Shopify is truly a global force, powering Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ranks, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com forward slash ranks to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash ranks.